We're in 1 John chapter 1, continuing our series through John. I don't have a snazzy name for the series, but it, it's, we're just going through 1 John. So <laughs> I was thinking of, I, I really need to have a creative name for my series, but I, I can't. I'm not that creative <laughs> when it comes to that. So we're in 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to be starting at verse 5 this week. So if you'll turn with me, I'll be reading out of the ESV Bible. All right. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the promises that it gives us, God. Promises of hope, promises for a future, Lord. Promises that it will change us, it will correct any error in us, Lord. That, that it will take root in our hearts and, and spill forth living life. So we pray now for your word to just take root, Lord, for your word to speak to our hearts. And God, may the words of my mouth honor you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, in preparing this message, I was thinking of different titles, and I decided to land on this title because tonight, tonight we're going to be talking about dealing with sin in our lives and how we deal with sin. Last week, we talked about fellowship with God and that fellowship comes through Jesus Christ. But this week, we're going to talk about the issue of sin. And I thought about different titles with sin, but then I thought about here's where John gets to. And I just want to start out with my title is where we're going. Jesus Christ is our champion and our comfort, period. Jesus Christ is our champion. He is our comfort. And we can take great comfort in him. So as we get into this uh, study tonight, I want you to know we're going to talk about sin. And you know what? Whenever we talk about sin, it's painful because it dredges up to the top stuff in us that is not worthy. Stuff in us that we want to hide, that we want to bury deep, that we don't want to bring into the light. But I want you to know as we're going there and as stuff is stirring up in you, go back to this title wait a minute, we're getting to Jesus Christ as my champion. Jesus Christ is my comfort. And then we start to realize that, whoa, although this is painful right now, it's going to get a lot better as we go through this. You know, 
my wife and I have been together now 18 years, 17 years. I was corrected last week. She just walked in. So, <laughs> and I told you that last week. But one of the things I've, I talked about is having, having, knowing my wife and having fellowship with her and how I know that I can, uh, I can, I just know her really well. And she'll even say stuff like I'll, she'll get mad at me for something. And I'm like, that's not really how you feel because this is really what you're thinking. And then she gets frustrated, like, how do you know me so well? And it's like, well, we've been married for 17 years, and she knows me well. She knows the things I like. She knows that I'm going to probably do stuff without thinking it out too well and could possibly end up in the hospital. She knows that about me. Uh, when we were camping this weekend, I came up to her and I was like, honey, we need a ride to the top of the campground where you enter because there's a nice hill because we're going to skate down it. She's like, I don't think that's a good idea. No, trust me, it's a great idea. Plus, I already have people. Let's go. <laughs> and, it, and it was a great idea, by the way. Ken Stice, though, almost ate it. If you haven't met Ken, he's right there. Uh, <laughs> while we're going down this hill, he started picking up speed. I'm like, go to the parking lot. You'll be safe. <laughs> so, as I see him run off his board. Uh, but anyway, my wife knows me and I know her. And, and we understand each other. Well, as we get into the study tonight, we have to recognize that John is going to help us understand fellowship with God, but we first must understand the nature of God, because God is not like you and me. God is above you and me. God is perfect. In fact, John says that God is light. This is a part of his very nature. He's pure and without defect. I, I don't mean that God is light as in a light came on and look, that's God. Okay, we're not talking about the, the particles. We're talking about the moral excellence. We're talking about the fact that he is perfect, he is holy, he's morally excellent, and he illuminates our lives. Light has this cool principle that when it shines into darkness, darkness flees from it. That's why lights are really good when you're out camping. I always do this thing when I'm out camping. We're like, okay, I'm going to work on my night vision. I'm going to be all stealth and just turn off the light. And it's going well until I trip on something. And like, oh, my goodness. Uh, and then turn on the light. And it's like, oh, man, I didn't see that at all. You know, light helps us see clearly. And so when we meet, when we meet the Lord, when we get into his word and he begins to reveal himself to us, his nature, John helps us, tells us that he's light. He is the standard. There is no other standard by which moral excellence or purity is measured but by God. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. See, not only is God good, but he does good. His very acts are good. Now, you may have had some trouble in life. Maybe some things, some really bad things have happened to you. Maybe things that have really embittered you. And as much as you want to be angry at God for what's happened, as much as you want to blame God, I want to tell you something, that God only does good. But sin, does, sin is evil. And you, you suffered sin. But we have a hope in Jesus Christ that God will change that. He will take that pain. He will take that hurt. He will take that, that what was meant for evil against you and he will use it for good. He can transform the worst of things. That's the awesome hope and promise we have in God. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but 
when we say the term God, we're, we're actually talking about a being that is perfect, a being that is beyond compare. We're talking about a maximally great being, the best being you could ever think of, okay? And we're getting a little deep here, so just hang with me. When we're talking about God, we should be talking about the things that we know are good in this good that we can see. We know that love is good. We know that kindness is good. We, we know things that are good, and we value those things. But we have to recognize that God is the, the maximum of that. He is the maximally great being. He would be perfect if he is actually God. So, so it would follow that if God is a perfect being, if we call him God, then he will be morally perfect and righteous. There will be no darkness at all in him. Okay? Well, we have a problem. Here we are, beings that are morally flawed, beings that have done wrong, beings that have d gone against the perfect one, and now we're separated. And so John is unfolding this idea of fellowship through Jesus Christ as us morally flawed beings coming before God. But you know, I don't know if you've, uh, how you are at laundry. I, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> when it comes to laundry, I'm terrible at it. My wife doesn't let me do it, and that's a real bummer. <sighs> that's a terrible thing. But when she met me, and the here's the reason why she doesn't let me do laundry. She, uh, she met me, and I would do laundry this way. I would take all my clothes, everything, and throw it all into the wash and wash it. I was like, this sorting thing is a waste of time. Let's just put it all in there. What are you talking about pre-spot stuff and deal with individual stuff? No, forget that. Let's just get it all in there. Get it all in there. And so all my whites were kind of a gray. <laughs> it, was just the, it was just the way it was. And so she quit letting me do laundry. And I realized, though, how much nicer my laundry met or became once she was in my life. Uh, my whites were white. Stains were gone. In fact, she noticed the stains on my shirt that I didn't even know were there. And she's like, no, you can't wear that shirt. It's stained. There's spots on it. How'd you get spots on your shirt? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just attract stains. That's, <laughs> that's me. Uh, and so I noticed that Something about her when she does laundry, even with our kids' clothes, she goes through, she has this little toothbrush, she sprays a spot, she scrubs it, and she gets it into laundry, and she goes through all the clothes, and I'm just, she's so meticulous about this. And I was thinking about that today as I was preparing this message. By the way, one time, somehow that toothbrush got mixed up with my toothbrush, and I started brushing my teeth with it. I was like, oh, it was so gross, but anyway. It was, I was so angry. I was just like, oh! Uh, but anyway, what I noticed about that is that when I sin, I need to deal with that sin, each sin individually. I can't just lump them all in and say, there, it's done. We're going to be talking about confession in just a minute. I've got to deal with each sin individually. And this is part of where God comes in is, is the fact that he illuminates our lives. John 12, 46, Jesus said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. God doesn't want you to remain in darkness. He doesn't want you to remain in sin. In fact, he's gone to great lengths to free you from the sin 
to set you free. In fact, the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. God wants to deal with every nook and cranny of your heart, every part of your soul, every inch that may have any part of darkness, God wants to shine his light upon and allow it to be dealt with. The same meticulous, actually a bit more meticulous way than my wife deals with that stain. My wife is determined to get those stains out. In fact, actually in my wife's clothes, when, when she has a stain, she's actually like offended by the world. Like, how, how could this happen to me? How could, I, I don't get stains. And I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, so John reminds us of the character of God before he moves forward. And now he starts dealing with sin. And we must understand the consequence of sin. Because sin is what separates us from the fellowship of God. He's going to give us three statements, three if-then statements, three subjunctive statements that are going to say, if this, then that. And, it, and as he challenges us, the first, uh, we, we can see three delusions that we can come under. Here's delusion number one. Because I'm a Christian, I have fellowship with Christ. That's the first delusion. Just because I'm a Christian, because I said a prayer... Because I did, I, the, the pastor said this prayer, like, hey, if you want to receive Christ, pray after me. And I prayed that prayer, and now I have fellowship with God. Well, that's the start of it. But the problem is sin separates you from God. And, and John tells us that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. But we have to understand that there is no darkness in God. If we say we have fellowship with him, but while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we're not talking about like the big sin that we did. We're not talking about the big sin from five years ago. We're talking about the everyday sin. So maybe right now you're thinking, well, wait, what's sin? We're using this word sin a lot. Well, sin just means missing the mark. It, that's all it means. It, 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 in that Bible, it's, here's the standard and you've missed it. You, you haven't got it right. And God is that standard and we compare ourselves to God. See, when we compare ourselves to each other, we, we can look pretty good. Although at the beach, I was a little upset by some of the dads. They clearly work out more than me. And I was like, man, Wayne, I'm coming over soon. Okay, we're going to get into it. But the, we compare ourselves to other people, and we always feel good about ourselves. Oh, you know, at least I'm not like so-and-so. At least I'm not like so-and-so. At least I'm not like so-and-so. But we, mis we, we misunderstand. God is the standard. Here, here's a little trick I learned. If you were to think about love, and just on a scale of 1 to 10 in your mind, think about how well you love people, your family and other people, and give yourself a rating. Just go ahead and think about it for a minute. How well do you love people? You know what I found is most people were like, well, I don't, I mean, I love people a lot, but I, I don't want to be arrogant. You know, probably, I don't know, six, seven. How many of you guys are around a six, seven on your scale? You know, okay, we got a few, yeah, okay. But when it comes down to it, the comparison is against Jesus Christ. So let me ask you again. If you were to compare the way you love to Jesus Christ, how well do you love people? All of a sudden we go, uh, zero, one, I don't know, maybe not on the scale. <laughs> because that is always going to be the comparison, a perfect God. 
So the first delusion is because I'm a Christian, I just have fellowship with God automatically. But I can still continue on in darkness. And John says, no way. The correct view is we experience fellowship with God when we walk in the light. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2, 5 through 6. That's how we know that we have fellowship with him. We walk in the light. And, and you might say, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not perfect. Well, no, you're not going to be perfect. But you're walking in the light. You're not allowing sin to just continue on in your life. Delusion number two. I'm a Christian. I can't sin. This is for the, the really righteous people. I became a Christian. Now I am sinless. I am without sin. I, there, I can't sin. I have mastered sin in my life. Let's be realistic. See, the, the, first, the first part, we all realize, okay, crud, I'm not perfect. Yeah. Now, now the second part in this delusion, if we think we can't sin, well, we got to check ourselves because the fact is, is we will sin. We will sin until we meet the Lord, until that day when the Lord perfects the imperfect, we will continue to struggle with sin. It's just a part of the process of your sanctification. Sanctification is just a fancy word for God making you like him. He's going to take your nature and transform you to be like him. It's a good word. Sanctification. And so, so to say that I'm a Christian, I can't sin, verse, verse 8, John says, i switch back here. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So look at what the, the right view is. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the correct view is, I am a sinner, I have sin, and I need to confess it. The, the word for confession is homologeo. And, and what it means is to be of one mind or, or coming to an, a common agreement on fact. That's what confession is. It's, it's us going to God and saying, all right, God, how do you see this in my life? Well, how do we do that? Well, it's by his word. Okay, because the fact is we're delusional people just as sinners. So we'll, we'll go and pray and like, well, Lord, what do you think? And we'll start reasoning with God. And by the time we're done, we're like, okay, yeah. But if, but if we go into the Word and then we let the Holy Spirit deal with us and we say, Lord, what sinful way? Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart. What area in me is sinful? Not the, just the big stuff. We're talking about even the little stuff. How did I act on the freeway yesterday? I, I, I am the most impatient driver ever. I don't cuss at people or whatever while I drive, but I'm just like, I'm like, Ugh! and Laura's like, calm down. I'm like, no, they're going so slow. And she's like, they're going 80. I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm just really impatient. Uh, and by the way, I am a terrible driver. So most of the time, that person who is driving terrible on the freeway that you're about to call a drunk driver call on, it's me, just so you know. So <laughs> I'm just a terrible driver. I'm just going to throw that out there. But the idea of confession is coming of, becoming one in mind or coming to that common agreement about a fact. God, you call this sin. You call bitterness sin. You call withholding forgiveness sin. God, you call lying sin. And, and as we, we recognize what God's view is, we look at our own lives and go, okay, 
uh, now I understand what sin is in my life. And I'm coming to a common agreement. Lord, I've done this. Going back to the laundry, my wife dealt with each stain individually. That's what we've got to do in our lives. Deal with each sin individually. As much as we don't want to do that, we want to go, oh, Lord God, forgive me of all sin. Amen. Good night. <laughs> That's how we want to deal with sin in our lives, right? We just want to, Lord, forgive me. All right, let's move on. And we know in the back of our mind, what about this? What about that lie? What about the way you spoke about that person, that slander, that gossip? What about that? Well, Lord, just forgive all sins. See you later. Amen. No, we've got to go before the Lord and confess. Come to a common agreement about a fact. Lord, my words were sinful. Forgive me for saying them. And, and if we confess our sins, look at what he's faithful to do. He's faithful and just and will forgive us from all unrighteousness. All we need to do is confess it. It's an awesome God we have. And it's all because of Christ Jesus. Third delusion that we can come under is, I don't have any sins. Uh, and, and what the difference is between, I'm a Christian, I can't sin, and I don't have any sins, is just a pride issue of saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I, I don't really sin much. I'm, I'm good. I, uh, no, I'm good. And there's a pride issue there. Because we don't really examine our hearts before the Lord. We don't say, Lord, search me and know me. I need to deal with some sin in my life. It's funny, when I'm, when I'm still before the Lord and I start praying and I say, Lord, search me, boy, things just start coming to mind that I did that day. I'm like, ah, why am I so sinful, Lord? Why can't I get this right? But then I have this comfort in Christ, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So this is the third view, John 1.10. John says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Well, first of all, let me just tell you one thing. God is perfect. He's not a liar. In fact, the Bible even says God cannot lie. So let's just get that straight. Let God be true and every man a liar. We know that God is the standard of truth. And when we go before him, we have to recognize that. The, when we lie about these things, when we say sin is not sin, notice what it is. It says, in his word is not in us. If you have an issue with, with lying about God's character, if you have an issue with saying, oh, this isn't sinful. Well, mom and dad acted this way. Why can't I act that way? Well, so-and-so acts this way, and they're a Christian. What's wrong with that? His word is not in you. Who do you want to look more like? Do you want to look like, more like your mom and dad? Do you want to look more like Uncle Joe? Or do you want to look, look more like Jesus, the one who saves? I know my answer. I want to look more like Jesus. I want to be more and more like him because the fact is, is the more I'm like him, the less trouble I get myself into. My wife can testify to that. So three que a couple questions to ask yourselves. Two questions. What do I do about the sins I commit in ignorance? You know, we do that all the time. There's sins we commit we don't even realize we commit because we're just sinful people. And then how can a righteous God forgive unrighteousness? It's a good question. 
Well, the answer comes in Jesus Christ. We must receive Jesus Christ as our champion. This next section in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, My little children, John writing to, to the church is his little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate, the champion, the one who goes before us, the one who makes our case, the one who fights for us. All I know is if I was going to fight in the UFC, I would want somebody to fight in my place. <laughs> I would not last long. I'd be like, ah, and run away. <laughs> I'd want to get a champion, one who couldn't lose, and let them fight for me. All I know is that in our culture, it's amazing what a lawyer can do with a letter. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in an experience where you had to have a lawyer write a letter, but it's really stressful. And then you say, oh, could you write a, uh, can I get some help on this legal issue? And then the lawyer writes a letter and it's solved. It's like, wow, that's really cool. It's amazing to have an advocate, a champion on your side. And Jesus Christ is our champion. Notice it says, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Remember that question, how can a righteous God forgive un- unrighteousness? Well, there was a righteous one, Jesus He was right with God. He did what we could not do. And then we had this word. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation. Some of your Bibles may say atonement. What the word propitiation means is, sorry, you got to swallow there. Propitiation means an atoning sacrifice with the purpose of appeasing God. God, God's wrath. That's what propitiation is. That means that God's wrath is coming against you because of your sinful nature, your sinful behavior. But Jesus Christ shed his blood, his righteous blood, on your behalf, thereby atoning for you, appeasing the wrath of God, removing the wrath of God from upon you. So we have this advocate, this champion, Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's interesting, um, since I've become a dad, there's something I really love about my kids. I, well, I love getting hugs from my kids. I love getting kisses. But my kids often have colds and stuff. Like kids, as soon as they start school, kids are just sick. That's all they are, are sick. And you're like, you're sick? How is this even possible? And they're sick, and they're, they get all snotty and stuff. And, but they're so excited to see you when you come home. They come up running, and they want to give you kisses and hugs, and you just have snot trails all up and down you, and like, oh, I just got slimed. But you know what? I love it. I love, in fact, even when I see them coming, I'm like, ah, you know. But I don't go, oh my gosh, and run away from them. I love my kids. I love the love that they give to me. God loves you. He loves you. And he's not going to push you away. That was the whole purpose for sending his son to die upon the cross for you. You were snotty. You were messy. I remember one time our kids, uh, we found our kids had scabies. Oh, my gosh. If you don't know what scabies are, they're these little, little mite things or whatever that come on you. And it was just, oh, it's just so gross. <laughs> it's like, oh, why are you guys so gross, <laughs> you know? Uh, but we had to clean the whole house and do everything and, and, I mean, shampoo everything and clean everything and disinfect the kids and um, <laughs> disinfect ourselves. Yeah, I, was, I was like, should we burn the kids, honey? No, no, don't <laughs> 
but I, we, I love my kids. And, and going through that with my kids, totally worth it. They're worth it to me. How much more so are you worth to God? How much more? The fact that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Lastly, I know I'm in Christ if I keep his commandments. That's, that's the end. That's the, the proof that I'm in Jesus Christ, that I keep his commandments. Not perfectly. We want to strive to be like Christ. The fact is we will screw up. John's already talked to us about that, but we have an advocate with the Father. But I know I'm in Christ because I desire to please him and not just myself anymore. So if you're struggling with sin, if you have a desire to please yourself, I, wanna, I want to encourage you to ask God to change your heart, transform you. Confess that to the Father. Before we go into our last set of worship, we're going to have uh, a testimony. I actually forgot to do it earlier. Um, but something I want you to think about when we get into communion tonight is this idea of confession. Remember, we sin in specifics. We need to confess in specifics. And if you have a sin you need to deal with with the Lord, you have an advocate, a champion in Jesus Christ. Go through him. Lord, forgive me of this sin. I'm a child of God. I come through the cross of Christ. Tonight during communion, we're going to have myself and Alfredo. Alfredo and uh, Edwin up here. And if you need prayer, you want, to, you want to confess with us and have us pray with you, we're here for you guys. We want to do that. But before we do that, I want you guys to see the product of God's living word. God's word applied in the life of Christy Geller. So Christy, come on up. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Christy, um, and it's my testimony. <laughs> um, so for me, fear was always shown as a normal way to live my life. Just growing up with my mom, she was pretty much caused me to live in fear, basically. If I made her mad or do things like that, there was a lot of verbal, physical, crazy, just abuse and words and things like that would just really come against me. So I never really obviously wanted to upset her as a child. I didn't necessarily know what right and wrong was, but with my mom, it was pretty much all wrong. Um, so that instilled a lot of fear in me, and she allowed fear to control how she interacted with me. Um, I wasn't allowed to really go out of the house, to talk with people, do anything like that, because she was so scared that if she let me go, she'd never get me back. Um, so until... Pretty much I moved out, that's what I really thought was normal. Um, and I took that away and that's how I really lived a lot of my friendships and a lot of my relationships. I never really had close, long-lasting friendships because I did it out of fear. I was selfish with my friendships and anyone that I brought close because I was scared they'd leave. Basically, the holding on so tight so you didn't lose them. Um, I kind of lost pretty much all my friends. <laughs> through all of this. Um, so as I was going through high school and walking through all of that, it made me just really depressed, anxious, and ultimately really lonely um, person. Um, so I met Christ actually at this church, and I started going to youth group when I was 14, and um, Dave and Corey showed me a crazy amount of love, and I remember I was in my room, and I was texting Corey, and I was like, I think I want to do this, but I'm not sure. And so she's like super sweet and just loving and patient and just um, 
walked me through it. I was probably about 14 or 15. Um, but I think when I really just solidified my faith was when I went to the Philippines. My passport didn't come in until that morning. And so if that's not a test of faith, I don't know what would be. <laughs> Having your ticket, being prepared, and then still not sure you could go. That was a crazy Beverly Hills trip. I can tell you about later. Um, but then I just became complacent in my walk. I was... I, wasn't, I stopped basically seeking God. I came home and I was on the spiritual high, but I, I didn't feed it anymore. Um, I really wanted to know what was gonna happen, the future, all things like that, so I basically went completely the wrong way. I still had God there, but I, I wasn't living his life. I was helping here without the heart behind it, just, just almost if it was work. I started seeking psychics, I started going to the doctor, they put me on all these crazy meds. Um, and my mind was basically just a mess that ultimately led to me being um, hospitalized for a few days while they worked everything out. Um, after that, about a year ago, year ago, God really like finally took over my life and I finally got it. It's almost like he shook me very lovingly and was like, hey, like, I want you to catch this. Um, and he really showed me just the right way to live through all of it. And to be honest, you know, I still battle fear and anxiety. Um, coming up here was fear, anxiety provoking in itself. Um, but I always have to just remind myself of Proverbs 3 through through 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Um, trust in him and he will make your pasture. Um, I've, I've learned that when I act on feelings, which I'm really good at, I tend to just mess a lot of things up and just not really work out the way that it would be if I just gave it to God. And as I allow God to control my life, he's brought a lot of good in it and a lot of good through it. So that's just what I encourage you with if you guys struggle with, with that, that God really can bring healing through it. And the doctors, I know, like they gave me all these things to try to try, and eventually it was just really giving that to God and God working in me that brought me the most peace. By the way, Chrissy's really good at memorizing scripture. She's constantly writing it, and she's got all of her stuff there. But, you know, one of our invite cards has the famous painting called The Scream on it, and we wrote on it, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And that's the truth. We don't have to be afraid of God's word. We don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be afraid of other things because we have a champion, an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He did it for us. So I want to encourage you today to give it to him. Say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need to deal with this sin, whatever that sin is. Probably as I'm talking, some of you already know in your head. I've, hold on, I've got a long list here. Well, guess what? His death is sufficient for worlds of sin, all of your sin. Just confess it to him. I'm going to call back up the worship team as I pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time. And Lord, we want to ask you now to deal with us. Father, we just pray that you would shine your light into our hearts, Lord. Shine your light onto our minds. Show us our sinful ways. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died for us on that cross, that it is by your blood that you purchased us, Lord. And we call upon you to save us, Lord. We thank you.
And you know what? If you're in this room and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus into your life, I want to encourage you to do that. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Save me. And you just depend upon him. He's your advocate. He's your champion. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Bless our worship now. Amen.